Fight Podcast, hosted by Sergio Vicente. The Fight Podcast is brought to you by Sage Eats. Sage Eats is a Chicago-based healthy meal prep and fitness mentoring company. They deliver healthy, organic, custom meals directly to your home or office. For those of you not in Chicago, Sage Eats also offers online fitness mentoring where your personal fitness mentor will send you four weeks worth of workouts that are customized to your body and your goals. Your mentor is available seven days a week to answer questions and offer support. Sign up for Sage Eats at W www.sageeatschicago.com. Apply promo code FIGHT for 20% off your first three months. Now here's your host of the FIGHT podcast, Sergio Vicente. Yo, yo, yo! What's up? What's going on, everybody? And welcome back to the Fight Podcast, the weekly combat sports and culture podcast. I am your host, Serge Vicente, and it's good to be back. I hope everyone's had an amazing, amazing beginning part of the year. It's the new year. I know a lot of us have. I mean, the beginning of the year is kind of rough, man. We've been going back and forth, but finally, finally fighting is back combat sports are back and all is well with the world man so um with that being said this episode remember the fire podcast is brought to you each and every week by sage eats sage eats offers healthy meal prep and fitness mentoring sign up for sage eats at sageeatschicago.com apply promo code fight for 20 percent off your first three months remember to follow the fire podcast on all social media platforms at the fire podcast and follow me at serge vicente support the show and check us out on the website the subscribe listen rate and share we are on itunes soundcloud google play spotify stitcher and every place that you end up watching your uh your and listening to your podcasts and uh keep your eyes open we will be live streaming our podcasts very soon on um twitch so that will happen soon but boom all right man uh jumping right into it this past weekend we finally finally have had some fights coming back i know it's been radio silence on our end i apologize for that but it's all good we the reason for that and uh obviously look man i want to make sure um is open and honest with you guys as possible so we moved studios uh i was able to move and uh, not only do i have a better location we have a totally really really dope setup so we have our own office space we have our own you know insulated podcasting kind of studios so i'm excited to finally be in here finally have everything hooked up and bruh it takes so long for those of us who haven't had to move recently or don't move or been in the same spot yo moving is for the birds it's crazy it took them a week it took them over a week actually to go ahead and actually get internet in the location man Dealing with different internet providers and everything. Finally, Comcast, salute to you guys. They ended up coming through. But even them, it took them a week to go ahead and actually come through. But um, I'm happy. Look, we're back at it. We're going to have a lot of interviews. And more importantly, man, there's so much to talk about. Um, This past weekend, we had, you know, the the big UFC on ESPN inauguration. I was going to try to do something and put it like, record on my phone or whatever but look we gave it some time 
I wanted to hear what everybody had to say. Everybody has an opinion. Everybody has like this big opinion on what was going on and how they personally feel about so much about the main event, about the co-main event, what's going to end up happening with Donald Cowboy Cerrone, and then not even to mention just the ugly ass belt that the UFC actually just announced. We're going to talk about that a little bit. I'm going to let you guys know what I think and how I feel about that. But we also have boxing. Manny Pacquiao is finally back. He made his uh he made another appearance. 40 years old, fresh 40 years old. He's out there competing against Adrian, the problem all about billions Broner. He was saying the hood was there with him. Well, he needed a couple more people in the hood to kind of help him against Manny Pacquiao because yeah, it wasn't a good look. Wasn't in my opinion all in all wasn't a really entertaining fight, but you know what? I can stumble and stagger whatever all into it. Let's go ahead and jump into it, man. This past weekend, Manny Pacquiao made his return. Showtime pay-per-view. Um, he, 40-year-old Manny Pacquiao. Look, man. All being said, Manny Pacquiao looked like Manny Pacquiao. Manny Pacquiao goes out there and defeats Adrian Broner in a unanimous decision win. And end up getting, uh, honestly, cruises into a pretty easy, easy, easy victory against Adrian Broner. Now, what did I think about the fight? This fight looked, in my personal opinion, like one fighter who just cannot get out of his own way. What can we say about Adrian Broner? He's three and four in his last seven. He's never beaten somebody at the top. Every time he's had his opportunity to go ahead and actually get to the next level, Maidana lost. Mikey lost. Pacquiao lost. All of those, Sean Porter lost. All of these fights would propel him into stardom. And here's the thing about Adrian Broner that a lot of us don't actually take into account. Adrian Broner is a superstar. Over a million followers on uh, social media over on IG. He was one of the first guys to really adopt social media. He's literally one of the OGs of social media, Twitter, Instagram, he he was that athlete that made people feel like, yo, we're right in here with him. We were here. So people have grown to love and, and grow with Adrian Broner, even with all of his, you know, outside of the cage antics and all this other stuff. We all were with Adrian Broner. But Adrian Broner isn't with himself. And what do I mean by Adrian Broner isn't with himself? When it boils down to it, if Adrian Broner cannot beat some of these more skilled opponents, he is all he's going to be is a journeyman. He's not going to be a champion. He's not going to be an all-time great. And what's sad is that Adrian Broner realistically has all-time great skills. He's he has the speed, he has the athleticism, he has the power. 
But when it boils down to it, one thing that he does not do is that he does not let his hands go. And in this fight, it was really reflected. In this fight against Manny Pacquiao, the most punches that he had in any one round landed was only eight shots. Yo, you're not going to beat Manny Pacquiao with only eight shots. And not only are you not going to beat Manny Pacquiao with only landing eight shots, you're not going to beat anybody in the top 15. Okay, I'll be realistic. You're, I mean, realistically, it should be the top 15. But as skillful as he is, you're not going to be the best of the best. And at this point, it's telling me he's not in the best of the best. Um, Manny Pacquiao, man, on the other hand, he looked okay. He looked good, man. He, he was... His pace was great throughout. He landed 47.3 punches per round. And again, like I said, that is punches thrown, right? Punches per round. Adrian Broner couldn't even get past, he averaged 24.6. That's all he was throwing. And the most he landed was eight. You're not going to win like that. And the fact that even after the fight, and I'll actually bring up a clip in a moment, but he, in his whole heart of hearts, and Buddy actually thought he won. Fam, I have no idea how you think you can win when somebody doubles your output. And here's the thing. We can even go round by round. Round by round. Yeah. It, it's crazy. Manny Pacquiao... 49 punches, 48, 66, 39, 55, 49, 69, 36. I mean, Manny Pacquiao was really dictating the pace of the fight. And this is on total punches thrown. Look at how many punches were actually landed. Adrian Broner in first round, two for 22. Second round, four for, for, for 24. Third round, four for 23. Fourth round, eight for 30, 31. Dude, 12th round, 1 for 22. 11th round, 3 for 31. This is embarrassing. I was really, really sad to see it because I'm going to be very honest with you. I actually, I have no idea why, especially looking at it now. I don't know why, but I actually picked Adrian Broner to win. In my opinion, Manny Pacquiao hasn't looked that great in his last number of outings. He's 40 years old. I expect 40-year-old boxers to slow down. Now, you have the Bernard Hopkins of the world. You have all these guys. You know, you, you, you see them, and you know there are outliers. And Manny Pacquiao 100% can be one of those outliers. Do I believe Manny Pacquiao could actually beat Errol Spence, Mikey Garcia, Terrence Crawford? Man, hell no. Absolutely not. Manny Pacquiao to this point still has too many holes in his game. And not only do I believe he has too many holes in his game, he has, even though he beat up Adrian Broner, he has taken a step back. And that is the reason that I actually believed that Adrian Broner was actually going to do something different in this fight. I believed Adrian Broner was going to go out there and actually show us something. This was his last shot at greatness. And I'm, I'm, I'm put it out there. Adrian Broner's done. In terms of us looking at him as a potential great, it's over. It's over. He lost his last opportunity. 
Is he going to be an entertaining fighter? Are we going to enjoy watching him in the future? Yeah, yeah. He talks trash. He's always in the media. Of course, we're going to get accustomed to seeing him for the next five to 10 years. That's totally cool. I understand that. But as far as watching him compete as one of the best of the best, unless something drastically changes, he changes camps, he gets a new coach, whatever the case may be, maybe. But I don't see it happening. I, I just don't believe he has it, unfortunately. And But everybody leading up to the fights were telling us Adrian Broner's training differently. Adrian Broner is ready. Has never worked as hard in his life. Man, I, I, I was sipping the Kool-Aid, man. I bought into it. I was wrong. And so were a lot of other ones, man. Um, did he have his moments in the fight, man? Yeah, I guess. But I already gave you the punch stats and numbers. We see he didn't really land anything. And if you don't land punches, you're not going to win a fight, man. All right, but what's next, right? What's next for Manny Pacquiao? What would I personally like to see? Bob Aaron believes top ranked promoter, former uh, promoter for Manny Pacquiao. He believes Terrence Crawford could be possible in the, in the near future. I would like to see that fight. I would absolutely like to see that fight. Now, I'm saying Terrence Crawford. Because after the fight, because to me, that's realistic. That's something real. That's somebody who's actually currently competing. After the fight, Floyd Mayweather was actually one of the, <laughs> he was the promoter of the event this past weekend. Jim Gray, who is one of my favorite commentators, one of the best sports commentators ever. He's after the, and I'm actually going to let you guys look at the, the little post-fight brouhaha that he and Adrian Broner had. But one thing that he did ask Manny Pacquiao after the fight was, hey, Floyd Mayweather's sitting right there. Would you like to see Floyd Mayweather after this? Manny Pacquiao was like, hell yeah. If he's down to fight, I'm down. If he's ready to come back, I'm ready. Jim Gray looks down and says, hey, Floyd, I know you're not going to come in the ring, but the camera's on you right now. Look in the camera, nod. Give me a yes or a no. My man didn't even look in the camera. <laughs> he smooth just gave that little that that straight face looking directly off into the distance. He might as well have had that mask on his face like Bird Box. He might as well. He's like, I don't see nothing. He see no evil, hear no evil, whatever. I don't want that. And look, not saying that, do I believe that Manny Pacquiao would actually win that fight? Nah, not at all. If Manny Pacquiao and Floyd Mayweather fight again, Floyd Mayweather scuffs him. I don't care what he looked like against Tenshin Nikasawa. I don't care. I don't care if he looked a little out of shape. It doesn't matter. What do I believe would happen if they fought? I believe it would be worse than the last time. Why is that? Because there is no boxer who is currently competing that has the mental IQ that, that Floyd Mayweather has in that ring. So, no. We need to get over that. 
unless we open up some weird senior circuit where they get to fight with 16 ounce gloves and possible headgear that's the only time i actually want to see those dudes fight aside from that nah man let's move on floyd mayweather's retired let's stop calling out a man who is retired and let's look at this floyd doesn't want to fight anybody really He's calling out Khabib. He's calling out Floyd. He's calling out tension. He's not calling out actual boxers in his own weight class. So, look, man. At the end of the day, it's going to be in a whomever Floyd, or should I say Manny, fights next, it's going to be incredible. It's always going to be an event when it's Manny Pacquiao. Because he looked good. But, more importantly, Manny Pacquiao is actually going to get an opponent not because he looked good, but Manny Pacquiao looks beatable. Again, I told you the numbers. It wasn't overwhelming in any capacity. He looks beatable. Congratulations to him for a 40-year-old. Yo, look, not even a 40-year-old. Manny Pacquiao put the thumpers on me any day. I'm just sitting here talking trash. But the facts are the facts. He has slowed down and even his punch output has slowed down. Manny Pacquiao used to be one of those guys that could get up to a hundred punches around. He didn't even get close. Keep that in mind. And I'm be honest with you. I don't know how Manny would do with the body work of an Errol Spence. I don't know how he would do with the athleticism and the footwork of a Terrence Crawford. And Manny Pacquiao makes a lot of technical errors when he's actually boxing. He puts himself in bad positions. Errol Spence, Mikey Garcia, Terrence Crawford would take advantage of those mistakes. Moving on to the next one, man. Um, there were also, again, the entire boxing card itself was pretty legit. So also on this card, Bottle Jack, one of my personal favorites, was competing against the always tough and gritty Marcus Brown. Um, it was an interesting fight. And the reason I say it was interesting is because, look, Marcus Brown goes out there and he starts fast. Baru Jack, much more methodical in his approach. He starts off a little slower, but again, it was a good fight. Going back and forth a little bit the first couple of rounds, but in the seventh round, oh. Seventh round comes up. One of the nastiest headbutts you'll see, especially in boxing. You rarely see this in boxing. He gets a serious headbutt, slices his right from the his forehead, from the top of his forehead to the bridge of his nose. There was a huge gash that started pouring blood all out if you're queasy i apologize but it just kept on pouring out and then marcus brown who actually noticed this what did he do he started banging bottle jack in the forehead and ended up you can tell that the amount of blood the cut opening up it really did deter bottle jack it slowed him down and look at the end of the day it was unanimous decision victory for brown he's gonna move on and go ahead and get a title shot but and he's, he's going to end up fighting against the Russian gentleman, um, uh, Lomachenko's teammate. I, look, I'm going to be honest with you. I understand why Padu Jack ended up uh, not doing as well. Um, it was a nasty, 
a nasty cut. And Battle Jack showed me so much in this fight. Just the fact that you can sit back there and get through knowing you're split open like that. And, and I'll be honest with you, especially in boxing, I have never seen a cut this bad. Um, I was looking at the images afterwards. If you look at it, actually, if you go ahead and check out our, our Instagram page, I actually have an image of it on our Instagram. That's at the fight podcast on um, IG. You could check it out. I actually have a picture of it there. But he had over 30 stitches to close up that gash, man. Um, salute to Bottle Jack. Salute to Brown. Uh, really, really good fight. Good night of fights all around. Um, the man. Boxing, man, for anybody to say a hey, boxing has gone anywhere, you're just crazy. It, it, I mean, boxing hasn't gone anywhere and it's only going to pick up. In fight news later on this week, there are so many fights that have been announced that are coming up. So a lot to go. And I'm actually going to go to a little bit in depth. We have another bonus episode this upcoming week and I'll actually break down um, these the real the boxing fights this upcoming weeks or should i say the ones upcoming and the uh fights from uh this past weekend all right the ufc and i'm gonna go ahead and touch on this uh pretty quickly and uh because we're gonna come back number of times we're finally back we're back in the saddle we have the, our our studio set up so you will get back three four and five episodes a week from me um and the fight podcast so UFC in ESPN era has officially begun. The ES, um, the UFC is now on ESPN. The official home of the of the UFC is also ESPN Plus, the app. And this fight, the main events were actually on the ESPN Plus app. The early prelims were on the ESPN Plus app. And the actually regular prelims, I have no idea why they did this. I could tell a lot of people were kind of pissy about it. But regardless, look, it worked. Um, the, the normal uh, card is right on ESPN. So I'm just going to go ahead and pretty much bring up the highlights. All in all, I'm going to be very honest with you. All in all, this was a phenomenal card. It was a great card. Um, you had so many guys. You had everybody from... Actually, you know what? Let's just go ahead and go through the entire card, man. I wanted to talk about this because really, man, it was a great card. Um, starting off with the... Um, the early prelims, man. I wanted to talk about this strictly because one, we had T. Edwards, who is an alum of the Fight Podcast. He's been on the show. He's a friend of the show, um, and he's one of the most skilled 155 pounders in the world. He was fighting against the Grizzle Vet, um, one of the last guys to ever beat Max Holloway, Dennis the Menace Bermudez. Um, Boricua stand up. So. Dennis Bermudez goes out there and actually goes ahead and gets a three-round unanimous decision win against T. Edwards, man. Uh, Dennis Bermudez moves to 17-9. and nine. T. Edwards drops to 16-3. and three. Dennis Bermudez, I'm just going to give him all the props in this fight. He's had a four-fight losing streak. He's lost to some really, really tough dudes. And he seems like he's just missing something. After this fight, Dennis Bermudez won the fight in the United decision, takes his gloves off, put him in the middle of the cage, right there in the middle of Brooklyn. He's done. He retired, goes off on a W against one of the top prospects in MMA. 
salute to that man. He went out there and, and let me tell you a little bit about Dennis Bermuda's career. One of the best all around fighters in the game. Great wrestling, good striking, tough as nails. Um, could he have won a title in the future? Probably not. But he's one of those guys that went on one of those 11, 12 fight win streaks. He was on the verge of that title shot. And he ends up falling into the same vein as the Jim Millers. Jim Miller was one of those guys that went on a nine fight win streak. And after he took his defeat, he never seemed to be able to get back on the horse. And he's still trying to compete. Dennis Bermudez has so much that he can do outside of the cage. If you guys haven't checked it out already, and I'll actually put it in the show notes, um, he has a YouTube cooking channel. Look, I'm a chef by trade. I love that. Um, salute to that man um, for doing that. But he has a lot of options outside of the cage. Uh, he's a family man. He has kids. So I'm happy that he was able to go out on his terms. But great win by Dennis Bermudez. Um, all right, moving to the prelims. And now the prelims, these were actually on big ESPN, regular ESPN. Um, Corey Sanhagen, if you guys haven't had an opportunity to check out Corey Sanhagen, you need to. He absolutely mauled Mario Batista. Mario Batista is a bad dude. He was 6-0. We didn't know what to expect from him. But Corey Sanhagen pretty much moves on to 10-1 now, and he just mauled him, man. He ends up getting a first-round submission um, in uh, 3 minutes and 31 seconds of the very first round. Corey Sanhagen is a name in Bantamweight that we need to watch out for. He is dangerous. He has been competing and training since he was 13 years old. He's a black belt, and he's dangerous. And honestly, he's becoming more and more fluid on his feet. These are those prospects that we need to keep our eyes open for. So congratulations, Corey Sandhagen. All right. Um, Alonzo Menefield goes ahead and gets a quick, does quick work and knocks out um, Vicious Morelia. Um, and he ends up doing that in the very first round. Uh, Joanne Calderwood. I was really looking forward to this fight. Joanne Calderwood fighting in the women's flyweight division. Um, she is, she was third or 12 and three at the time of this fight was fighting against one of the biggest women's prospects in MMA. She's fighting out of Brazil. Ariana Lipsky. I'm sorry. Ariane Lipinski. Who is an absolute monster knocking people out extremely, you know, um, effective, extremely fast, great footwork. Um, and honestly, was just totally overworked and outmatched by Joanne Calderwood. One thing that people, I think, lose into account, and people forget a lot of the times, when you come from these smaller organizations, a couple of things. They get that adrenaline dump that when they see out there, they freak out. There's so many people who actually are watching and you're on UFC and you're on ESPN, people get nervous. I understand that. And people don't show up a lot of times for their first UFC fight. Those UFC jitters are real. And it seems like Arani might have that, but Joanne Calderwood, man, looked beautiful in doing so. All right. The headliner for the 
ESPN card, who was Donald Cowboy Cerrone against Alexander Hernandez. Alex Hernandez, 10-1, Donald Cowboy Cerrone. Look, what more can we say about that dude? Leading up to this fight, Alex Hernandez was talking mad trash. A lot of trash saying that he's going to defeat um, Cowboy Cerrone, who's old and decrepit and, and senile and all that stuff. He was telling him he was calling him out. He thought it was going to be easy work. He went out there and said, look, Don Cerrone is easy work. I'm going to defeat him. No problem. No, nothing. No worries. What ended up happening? Donald Cowboy Cerrone happened. Cowboy goes out there and absolutely, absolutely destroys Alexander Hernandez um, and ends up getting a second round TKO um, via head kick and uh, finishing him off a ground and pound. Three minutes and 43 seconds in the very second round. How did they get there? Alex Hernandez starts off fast, getting in down Cerrone's face and he's throwing bombs. Throwing to the body, throwing to the head. He was really trying to rough him up and stay in his face. And for those of us who haven't really watched Cowboy compete, when people stay in his face, I think of Rafael dos Anjos. I think of guys like that. What happens when people stay in his face? A lot of times, Cowboys tend to wilt. He, not Cowboys, Cowboy. Cerrone tends to wilt. When people are in his face and talking trash, he likes people being friendly with them. This was in the past. He didn't do very well. Look at Nick Diaz. Or should I say Nate Diaz in Cowboy? Same thing. Got in his head. He didn't like that. But ever since Cowboy left Greg Jackson's, and ever since Cowboy has had his son, it seems like something has shifted in Cowboy. If you talk trash, if he's pissed off, them, it seems like when you have that that heat, that tension, it seems like he actually is now up and re-rises to the occasion. So Alexander Hernandez, with all the trash talk that he had, he goes out there and he actually gets in Cowboy's face. He's pushing him. He's pushing the pace of the fight. But every time he came close, Cowboy did something that I think a lot of people didn't even realize. He started blasting him with hard knees to the body. The more hard knees to the body that he ended up getting, the more it deterred Alex Hernandez. Watching the two of them in the clinch really reminded me of watching Anderson Silva versus Rich Franklin. Seemed like one guy just didn't know what to do in the clinch and the other guy was dominating. Donald was so much more physically imposing in the clinch, it, see, it just seemed like Alex Hernandez didn't have an answer for it. So Dominic did what you, Donald did what he's supposed to do. Beat him to the body, beat him down to the body. And then he finally goes up there and does what Cowboy Cerrone does and knocks him out and finishes him with a head kick. Um, what does Cowboy Cerrone get after this? I'll tell you in a second. But before that, remember, 
The Fight Podcast is brought to you each and every week by Sage Eats. Sage Eats offers healthy meal prep and fitness mentoring. Sign up for Sage Eats at sageeatschicago.com. Apply promo code FIGHT for 20% off your first three months. Remember to follow Fight Podcast on all social media platforms. Check us out on the website, thefightpodcast.com. Subscribe, listen, rate, and share. We are on everywhere that podcasts are available iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, all those good ones, man. So go ahead and check us out. All right. What's going to happen with Donald Cowboy Cerrone? Who's been calling Cowboy out? Man, it seems like Connor wants him. It seems like, and from what I've heard and from what sources are saying, Cowboy already has the contract to fight Conor McGregor. I totally believe if this fight does happen, and I actually believe it will happen, it's probably going to happen sometime international fight week or so, probably mid-year. I think this is the perfect fight for both guys. I'll talk about it a little bit more um, in our fight news later on this week. But look, man, I'm be honest with you. I see this fight going incredibly. It'll be able to sell. You have two of the most polarizing characters in MMA. You have two of the biggest names in the UFC. And you have now you have the machine of ESPN. I cannot wait to watch this. I really do believe that this is going to be one of the best events of the year if it does come to fruition. Obviously, we still have to see what happens with Cowboy or not said Cowboy with uh, Conor McGregor and um, and all of his pretty much all of his uh, his um, nonsense with the Nevada Athletic Commission and everything that happened with him and Khabib after that fight, man. But. What did Cowboy said about the potential of fighting Conor McGregor? I did. My team showed me that. So um, that'd be cool. Um, hope the fight goes through. Like I said, I can't get my hopes up. I, he dictates everything, man. I just can say yes. I'll fight. Well, I can't say I'll fight anybody anymore because now I told my team that I'm going to take it easy. So I want a top five guy. Conor's two, right? So that equals top five to me. Um, God, that'd be fun. He's a pretty master of talking shit, so I'm sure he'll try and get under my skin. Fine. O'Connor's witty and smart. Stupid, you know, but, um... He's witty fine. and smart. Good. Get that done. I mean, is it like dates, times, locations? As soon as possible. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, I'd love March, April, you know, anytime then. March, April, A, May, sun's out. I'll bring my boat and RV to Vegas. I'm sure I'll be in Vegas. Or Ireland. Let's go. Fuck yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, you got to love Cowboy, man. Look, if this does happen, and I totally believe that it will happen because the fight actually makes sense. Cowboy is going to be ranked now in the top 10 at 155 pounds. Connor's ranked number two, like we heard him say. Whoever wins that fight will probably end up getting a title shot against Khabib. I love it. I think it makes total sense. And um, man, 
We'll see what ends up happening. All right. We're going to talk about the main card, man. I want to just break. I'm going to go down through this pretty quickly. Um, Glover Teixeira goes ahead and gets a quick um, submission um, on the on Carl Robinson. Carl Robinson, look, he came in on short notice, only about a week or so uh, notice. Salute to him for going out there and actually competing Glover Teixeira. Man, Glover Teixeira looked, he had to battle through some adversity. Carl Robinson, who actually fights at 185 pounds. This fight was at light heavyweight, so it was at 205. Carl Robinson actually hurt Glover Teixeira, who is top 10 light heavyweight in the world. He's competed for a championship. But the moment that he was hurt, the veteran savvy came out there, took him down to the ground, did quick work, submitted him. Great win for a glove to share. All right. The women's flyweight division, we had man, possibly the best looking fight in MMA history <laughs> with um, Paige Van Zandt against uh, Rachel Osevich. Look, I'm not trying to be a creepy dude. I think everybody knew that that's what the case was. Everybody was loving it. Everybody was like, I have buddies of mine sending me pictures like, Serge, who are these girls about to fight? Have you seen the weigh-ins? Yeah, man, dudes are creepy. I get it. Yes. Um, But more importantly than these creepy dudes watching it, and don't get it twisted, Look, man, I'm a guy. I was watching this fight. I was having the same thoughts as everybody else. But I look, as attractive as these young ladies are, these are skilled fighters. Both women are extremely skilled. They're dedicated. They work hard. And they have both in their careers and in lives have had to deal with a lot of adversity. So people need to go ahead and put some respect on these ladies' name. Um, Rachel Ostevich. For all of us who do not know, she is just in, I think, early December, had a huge domestic um, abuse case that came up. Her husband, the father of her son, beat her up pretty good, man, was threatening to kill her and all kind of stuff. A lot of the doctors originally believed that he broke her orbital and it seemed like she was not going to compete in this event. Credit to her. She said, no, I need this. I want this. And I want to prove to myself and all the women in the world who have had to deal with situations like this, that nobody is going to stop us from doing what we have to do. She went in there emotional. She had her family, her mother, her father and her brother were actually the ones in her corner. Do they compete? Do they train? I have no idea. But that is who she had in her corner. Um, Paige Van Zandt, we know Paige Van Zandt. She's um, a good fighter. She's beat some tough people. She's beat Beck Rawlings. She's beat some very, very tough people at 125, 115 pounds. Um, but now again, she's at, a, at probably her natural weight class. She's extremely tough. She's extremely durable. And uh, one thing watching this fight. So um, Paige Van Zandt ends up actually winning this fight. Second round submission. Um, but that wasn't this whole story of the fight. The first fight round was actually dominated by Rachel Osevich. Rachel's fight, and, and here's the thing. Um, Paige Vizant after this win moves eight and four. Rachel has one of the sauciest records I've ever seen in MMA. She has a four and five record. She has a lot of room to grow. And one thing in watching this fight. There's some things that both of these ladies do very well. They're both tough as nails. They're both 
savvy on the ground. But there's so much missing. For instance, um, being on the ground, there were no hip escapes. There was, especially in the second round, um, there were certain times, for instance, where Rachel Osovich had opportunities for submissions. She used to pass them up. She just passes them up. The deeper you get into this career, the more you cannot allow that to happen. And the same thing with Paige Van Zandt. She was dominating the first round. She ended up pretty much staying on the bottom. That cannot happen the, the higher level that these ladies go. All in all, it was a very entertaining fight. And a lot, both of these women have so much potential. They'll both be in the UFC for a long time. They're not going to get rid of them. They're too big of a draw regardless of what their records are because they are beautiful ladies. But again, they're skilled and they have a lot of room to grow, man. So congratulations to both of them. All right. Um, this fight was actually the next fight was at flyweight also, but men's flyweight. Joseph Benavides came back and again defeats Dustin Ortiz. This is a rematch. Um, Joseph Benavides is... The second greatest flyweight of all time behind Demetrius Johnson, and he has never actually reached a belt. This win pushes him to 27 and 5. He defeats Dustin Ortiz. Look, I thought the fight was entertaining. Great grappling transitions. Both men moving around. Both guys tough. Great fight. Great time seeing both of those guys. All right. Next fight on the card, Gregor Gillespie. 13-0, gets a TKO win over Yancey Medeiros. Ends up getting some ground and pound, finishing Yancey, who's always tough as nails. Yo, this was in the second round. Uh, the, the, the Four minutes and 59 seconds, the very last second of that round. Um, yo, Gregor Gillespie's a problem. And for those of us who haven't watched him, he's one of those guys, he's, a, he's an All-American uh, wrestler, multiple-time All-American wrestler, All-American champion wrestler, he completely mauls people. And one thing that he does better than most is that he has that same grind that Khabib has. He has that same grip and hold. And what he does is that when he clasps his hands, he dictates the pace of the fight. And if you can't get him off of you, he will not stop. He goes from single leg takedown to double leg to Greco, back to single leg, back to pulling, back to judo, back to the dude is relentless. And look, man, Yancey Medeiros did a lot of great things in this fight. He, he did a lot of, I mean, the transitions in this fight were amazing. A lot of Gramby rolls. Gramby rolls are when you're getting out of the position as opposed to just standing up and stepping out or rolling on your butt. You kind of roll around more so on, the, on your shoulders and upper back to get out of a position. He did that very well in that fight. Yancey Medeiros is tough and he's really well schooled, but Gregor Gillespie was just too much. And um, man, I'm gonna be honest with you. He is another problem in that um 155 pound weight class in the ufc by far the deepest weight class out there there's so much out there for gregor gillespie um definitely a top 10 opponent has to be next all right this next one the co-main event hmm how do i uh i want to get into this 
This was against Greg Hardy, who was 3-0 at the time, against Alan Crowder, 10-3. This fight pissed me off. Because this fight should never be a co-main event. This fight should have been the first fight on the, on the card. Not even the main card. This should have been a prelim card. Or fight. Greg Hardy is not a skilled professional combat sports athlete. He's just an athlete. He's just a big guy. And what he did honestly disgusts me. For again, for those of us who do not know, Greg Hardy, former All-Pro D lineman, used to play for the uh, the uh, the Panthers, the Carolina Panthers, and he also played for the Dallas Cowboys. Super savage football player, um, and he ended up getting kicked out of the NFL because of domestic violence issues. So I already had an issue with him being put on the exact same card as Rachel Oshevich, who as we've seen, just got into um, into issues with domestic violence. Why would you put him on the same card? I have no idea. So tone deaf by the UFC. Seriously. I have no idea what they were thinking. But not only to put him on the card itself, because people were like, oh, he belongs on the card. I hear Ariel Hawani and everybody. No, he belongs, blah, blah, blah. No, he doesn't belong. And he didn't belong and he should have never been in the sport to begin with. So let me just go ahead and talk about the fight. The fight starts off the way you anticipate this fight with Greg Hardy to be. He goes in there. He's the bully. He's throwing big shots. He's trying to hurt his opponent. But this is what happened with with Alan Crowder. He withstands it because Alan Crowder, being a professional heavyweight who's been in there, he knows what a big, hard-hitting guy does, and he stifled him, and he was able to pretty much wear away till he's able to do what he needed to do. So what ends up happening? Alan Crowder's beating the hell out of uh, out of um, out of Greg Hardy after the first minute, two minutes when he actually gets exhausted. Greg Hardy shows his inexperience because the moment that the fight hit the ground. He had no idea what to do. He didn't know how to wall walk. He didn't know how to buck his opponent off him. He didn't turn to his side. He didn't do anything to end up getting himself into a better position. He wouldn't do it. So, second round comes. More of the same. And the fight actually appears that Alan Crowder is in the verge of KOing. Greg Hardy, I see it coming. I'm standing up on my feet. I can't wait. All of us see it. We all see it. We all, you know, are looking for that to actually come to fruition. So there's a scramble. They hit the ground. Greg Hardy stands up before Alan Crowder does. What does Greg Hardy do? Greg Hardy does what any bully would do. He looks for the fastest way out. And what is that? Alan Crowder was on both knees. Greg Hardy stands up and knees Alan Crowder directly in the face. Fight's over. Disqualification. Alan Crowder ends up winning the fight. For everybody who is upset at that happening, 
The UFC, oh, I'm disgusted. Oh, this was bad. This is a bad look on the sport. Yo, what did we expect? We saw Greg Hardy doing Greg Hardy shit. He's a bully. He's a savage. He's a thug. Whatever you want to call him, that's what he is. It's not a good guy. Go back and look at some of the interviews that he had. He looked like he wanted to rip some of those people's heads off when they were actually questioning him about the validity of him being in the card, the validity of him actually fighting against a legitimate MMA competitor. He didn't want to hear it. What do I think should happen to Greg Hardy? I think Greg Hardy should go back to one of these regional circuits. Let him fight there. If he actually works his way up and actually does something and belongs, fine. But he is not somebody who I personally believe should be competing in MMA. He makes our sport look bad. We already have an ugly rep as it is. Why would we make it worse by putting somebody like him in the ranks and then why do we glorify him by going ahead and putting him up against you know on this huge platform of espn yo everybody should be ashamed that this is what ended up happening i never want to see buddy again man so and that's enough time that i spent on greg hardy's old whack ass all right moving on main event um i'm gonna be honest with you i was completely shocked and actually, I feel really bad, but Henry Cejudo goes ahead and defeats TJ Dillashaw 32 seconds via KO in the very first round. There was drama, obviously. What was the drama? Um, the drama is TJ definitely was, was, was wobbled, but he wasn't hurt. The ref stopped the fight as he was getting pushed, not getting punched. And honestly, after this... I can't tell you that Henry, Henry Cejudo is better than TJ Dillashaw. I can't. We didn't see enough. TJ Dillashaw, that weight cut that he had, I do believe, took something away from him. Nobody goes up. Look at Anthony Pettis. Look at every champion that has actually dropped down to try to do better. It's too much. It's too much for him, and I think TJ understands that it was too much for him as well. This fight would be completely different at, at 135, and I'm not even saying that he would defeat Henry Cejudo because Henry Cejudo was a savage. Look, I just don't like Henry's trash talk. He's corny. But in terms of his skills, psh, can't take anything away from Henry Cejudo. But I'm not even going to break this down that much because honestly, there's nothing much to break down. Henry looked great. TJ is looking to, to redeem himself. That 100% needs to be the, the rematch, but um, that's it, man. I should, we should see them fight again in the next few months. TJ was in her, and this is why I'll say, for all of us who want to look at it, be like, oh, Serge, how you not going to say he was hurt? Well, this is why. Yes, he was wobbled. He was pushed down. But when guys are actually injured, when they're trying to stand back up, most times when the ref breaks it up, they try to take a single leg on the ref. They try to do those type of things. He was intelligently defending himself. And the moment that the ref stopped in, he literally pushed the ref away beforehand. 
TJ Dillashaw was going for a single leg and Henry Cejudo was actually defending the takedown. That is why I say he wasn't injured. He was wobbled, but he's continued fighting. We've seen TJ get hit much harder than he was hit by Henry Cejudo. We know he can recover quickly. That is a champion. I'd rather see a champion take one more punch than one less punch. Um, if we're going to see them, especially in this magnitude of an event. All in all, man, ESPN, UFC, phenomenal card. Minus the couple things, minus the Greg Hardy's and some of the other things. All in all, beautiful card, man. I cannot wait to see more from the ESPN and UFC. Um, later on this week, we'll break down all the fight cards that are coming up. So many big cards that are on the way. Um, we are going to break down some more stuff. But um, with that being said, man. Welcome back to the Fight Podcast. Um, I hope everyone had a good first part of the, the year. And you are going to see so much more of us. We have interviews. We have a lot of fun. We're going to end up videoing these things. Um, more to come. You're going to see more and more and more from me and the Fight Podcast. Uh, but without further ado, this is the Fight Podcast. I am your host, Serge Vicente, and thank you so much for joining me on episode 67 of the Fight Podcast. The Fight Podcast is brought to you each and every week by Sage Eats. Sage Eats offers healthy meal prep and fitness mentoring. Sign up for Sage Eats at sageeatschicago.com. Apply promo code FIGHT for 20% off your first three months. Follow us on social, all social media platforms at The Fight Podcast and follow me at Serge Vicente. Support the show by checking us out on the website, thefightpodcast.com. Thank you guys so much for listening. I'm so happy to be back in the saddle. I'm so happy to be back in the new studio. And uh, yo, we'll see you next time. This is Serge and The Fight Podcast. Peace out.